Well, hello, everyone. I'm up. Brendan, thumbs up from you. Oh, I can't see you anymore. Anyway, I'm going. I wasn't sure if there was a testimony in there. Happy Father's Day, everyone. As uh, Brendan shared, just want to piggyback off of that. And um, I want to tell just a little story here to start things off. I was, um, I have, my name is John Prickett, by the way, um, one of the pastors here. And um, hold, hold on one second here. I need to uh, not see as much of myself on my screen here as I talk. And so just going to minimize that. Okay, so uh, my name is John, and um, I have uh, one son, a little over two years old, and uh, have a second coming any day now. And uh, that's exciting. And um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, she was very kind to allow me to still have this uh, opportunity here to, to, to preach and uh, just share with you guys a little bit. Um, so here's the story. So before we had Gabe, I'm having a conversation with Jesus and uh, just talking to God. Um, and I'm a, I'm a learner. I like to dive into learning about things and just, uh, yeah, I, I like to learn and kind of in a, uh, at, at times in my life, I've been known to be referred to as the resource king. And uh, anyway, that's a, that's a different thing, but just I like to know the resource. And so I'm like, as I'm about to be a dad, before we had Gabe, I'm diving into resources. I'm trying to figure out like, how do I do this parenting thing? Um, how do I be a dad? How do we parent? And so I was having a conversation with the Lord about all this. And um, uh, I was just saying, God, what, what do you have to say to me about parenting and being a dad and what i what i i felt like i heard the lord say was if you parent gabe uh the way that i've parented you you'll be okay like you'll be in a good spot uh if you can take how i've parented you over the course of your life and especially over the course of um just years of walking with god if you can take the way that I've related to you and parented you and cared for you and disciplined you. And then, uh, do that with, with your child, you'll, you'll be in a good spot. And so I found that helpful, but my response back to the Lord was, but you're perfect. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And, uh, so what about that? Like you're perfect. And, um, so you parent me perfectly, but I'm not going to be able to perfectly represent that and live that out. And so I felt like the Lord said, well, that's where I come in. Um, so in all of the places where you're, you don't perfectly parent Gabe, which you won't, um, I will be there parenting him. And I will be there uh, fathering him in all of your places of weakness, in, in the lacks. Uh, I'll be there. And uh, you can rest assured that um, I'm with him and, and, and there's a place where I'm parenting in the process. So the reality is all of us have something in common here on Father's Day. Uh, none of us have a perfect experience with a father or a father figure. None of us. We all have different experiences, 
So on the one hand, none of us have the same experience. On the other hand, we all have the same experience, which is that none of us have a perfect Father's Day, uh, or a perfect father. And then as we come to Father's Day, there can be such a wide range of emotions and experiences. And uh, even for those who have had the best dads, uh, they can still come to Father's Day with a whole host of experiences. Uh, maybe, maybe someone here had a, an amazing dad and uh, they're not with us any longer and they, they've died. It's just, there's so many different experiences that we have uh, with, with how we've been parented and, and, and especially how we've been fathered. And so as we're here on Father's Day, uh, we are gonna take a look at the heart of God as a father to us. And how is it that we can experience, uh, not just know about, uh, but experience a deeper place of his love as a father? Uh, again, every one of us has places uh, where, where we haven't had a perfect experience. And so, so we're going to kind of zero in on that place that I talked about where God was speaking to me um, we're not going to focus so much about the amazing or maybe even the, the lack of amazingness of our experience with earthly fathers, but we're going to try and direct our attention to that place of where has God been fathering us our entire lives, even when we haven't known it, even when we haven't seen it. And maybe even right now, my hope is that today that we will have an experience where we come into a deeper place of meeting God uh, as a father, as one who's loving us even this morning. So as we dive into this, Brendan actually got us kicked off, but we're going to look at it again. Uh, we're going to be looking at this question of how do we experience more of the, the love of God as a dad and God as a father. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. So this is a prayer. And so I want to encourage you to... Um, Take a posture of receiving right now. So I'm going to, I am going to uh, read this, but in many ways, I am going to be praying this over all of us right now. And so if you're able in your context to close your eyes, uh, if you're able to maybe just posture your hands open, uh, just want you to take a posture of receiving. This is not a, uh, we're not diving into a cerebral exercise right now. We'll, we'll, ha we'll have some teaching, but we are, we are entering into a prayer that has existed for probably just a, a bit less than 2,000 years. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this over us um, right now. This is what the, this is what the Apostle Paul uh, prayed for the Ephesian church, but I, I sense that this prayer has been uh, reverberating through history, even to us right now. He says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that you would have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, 
and how deep is the love of Christ. And that you would know this love that actually surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 So a little context here. Paul, he's writing a letter of Ephesians um, from prison of some sort. It's possible that this is house arrest that he's under. It's it's possible that he's he's actually in a physical prison location. Um, But it's actually, it's pretty interesting uh, the context of why he was arrested. He was arrested on a charge of having brought a Gentile into the temple. Uh, So the temple, this kind of sacred space uh, for the Jewish people, for Israel. And uh, Paul brings, he's accused of this. I'm I'm not actually sure if he did it or not, but Acts just says he was, um, this charge was brought against him. So anyway, it's interesting uh, that we could call it racial, probably ethnic or cultural divisions that existed in Jew and Gentile. Uh, This is a major issue in the Ephesian church. It's a major issue of what's going on in that context. And it's actually a key part of this whole letter that was going throughout multiple different churches. The letter uh, to the church in Ephesus is actually a whole host of, of different house churches and groups of believers that met across kind of a region um, that was in Ephesus. Uh, but this is, this is significant. Actually, a, a lot of the New Testament is written with this question in mind. How do Jews who are ethnically very different, culturally different, uh, have their own upbringing and, and traditions and even language in some ways? How do Jews and Gentiles, all these other folks who are far from God, and those Gentiles make a whole host of different ethnic groups and cultures and backgrounds, how do all of these people become one body together? How do they become one family together? And so even already in this context, Paul, Paul's literally in prison because he's trying to live in a reality where everybody can be a part of God's family, where everybody, no matter the upbringing, no matter the, the language they speak or the part of the world that they're from, they come together. And so it's interesting, he begins this, this prayer with for this reason. Now, what is for this reason? We can go back to the beginning of chapter uh, three, and it says for this reason. But honestly, those 14 verses are really just kind of a, I don't know, a parenthetical tangent that Paul makes. As he's saying for this reason, the reason for this prayer, we actually have to go back to Ephesians 2, 14 and 18. And uh, you can just listen if you've got a quick reference to look up, go for it. But uh, Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. This is kind of the context here for what this prayer is all about. 
it says this, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. He has made the two groups one, the, the Gentiles and Jews, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So Jesus came and he preached peace to you who were far away, kind of the inclusion of all the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, kind of a reference to kind of the Jews. For through him, we both, or we could say we all, have access to the Father by one Spirit. I can't think of it, a passage more relevant to the world in which we live today. So, you know, so what's Paul saying in, in this with the connection of that coming? So on the heels of that, we've got Paul going into this prayer, right? In kind of the, the guts or the middle of this letter to the, to the Ephesian churches. It's as if to say that if there's any hope in this reality being lived out, the content of this prayer is actually essential. So the things that Paul's praying are, are essential to any hope that we're going to be able to live into this reality that people who are very different than us, that we could become a unified, reconciled together people without these barriers of hostility. Um, so he, he, it's amazing that he goes into prayer because there is a miraculous thing that God's wanting to do and needs to do, but there's also a significance in the content of what this prayer is all about. We're going we're to get to that. Um, but, you know, I was reading one, one um, uh, commentary about this, and, and they said this. You know, it's as if to say, it doesn't do any good for the Jew and the Gentile to have access to one God, together and in turn be God's family and be built together into his temple of his habitation if they don't have the same kind of love for one another that comes from experiencing the love that God has for them. It's like if we can't figure out, it, or not if we can't figure out, if we as God's people, as we enter into this family, if we don't have an experience of his love that then allows us to love others in that way that he loves us, it's not going to work. So there's this reality that Jesus has done, but there's a place of his love. Okay, so let, let's look a little bit more into this. Um, I also just, just mentioned here, you know, making it clear that God is, so he says, uh, you know, uh, Hold on, lost my spot here. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, I don't know that this was a, Paul was punning here as if like to use humor, but this is actually a pun in Greek. Uh, the word for father is pater and the word for family is patria. And so uh, he's saying, I kneel before the pater from whomever patria in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
but you know, what Paul's getting at here is something deeper than just a grammatical play on words. He's, it, this is significant because in that time, uh, Israel would have viewed themselves as having an exclusive or unique relationship to God as father. And part of this may have been an intimate type relationship, and part of this might have just been him as, as king, as ruler. Uh, but what is clear is that they saw an exclusive right to relating to God as father. And so as Paul's saying this, actually, God is the father of everyone. Everyone derives their essence, their family of origin, their, their being, who they are, as coming from the same God, the same father. So this reminded me as I was as I was looking at this passage it reminded me of a conversation that I had a number of years ago um, I don't know if, how many of you are a part of our church but a few years back um, a really close friend of mine uh, a guy named Prashan Devisser he's um, he's Sri Lankan and we became really close in college and have uh, become really close friends and um, he travels around the world uh, working with uh, war-torn places in order to see youth reconciliation movements developed. And so his, what he feels called by God to do is to see places uh, that have been destroyed by all sorts of tensions and conflict, uh, most of which are, are racial, ethnic, or religious in nature, and to see young generations begin to uh, reconcile with one another. And uh, so anyway, this is a little context with him. Some of you were there. I thought he preached a powerful message. You can probably find it years back on our podcast. But he said this. This is what I remember. Uh, Jesse and I were, were um, having a meal before he came and preached um, with him and his wife, Shruti. He said this. He said, to the degree that the church in America is able to become a place of true reconciliation, unity, and healing across racial and ethnic and class lines, that is the degree to which the church in America will have relevance to the rest of the world around them. Not the whole world, but like the, the non-followers of Jesus world and, and culture, um, and have a power to its witness in the years ahead. And uh, he spent a lot of time here in the U.S. and, um, and also has traveled around the world. And, and as he looked a couple years ago at our world, he was saying, this is going to be the issue that if the church can figure out how to do this, that they will have something of relevance to give to the world around them. Because this is, gonna, this is going to continue to be uh, front and center in a real thing that God is doing in the midst of this country. I was reminded of that actually not just in this passage, but also two weeks ago as Pierce Van Dunk shared. He was sharing about how costly unity and divine justice will actually be the primary ways that the world around us is attracted to the good news of Jesus. You know, it's that whole, um, you know, we are, we are the light of the world concept and a city on a hill can't be hidden and there's attractiveness to that um so anywhere okay so that's what i'm kind of i'm gritting as i'm praying and and in this passage over the past few weeks i'm gritting some of this through it and god's bringing these different experiences to mind and so okay so what does this have to do 
with the rest of this prayer, okay? Well, I believe it has everything to do with the rest of this prayer um, because our context actually, in a lot of ways, has a lot of similarities to um, Ephesus. And Paul's praying, he's attempting to pray in uh, two essential things that the body of Christ, that we need to experience um, if we are going to be able to bring people from completely different upbringings, places, backgrounds into one family, into one body. And so I want, I want to reread here 16 and, and the first part of 17, because this is kind of the, this is this prayer. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, so, so this is basically the last sermon I preached a few weeks ago on Pentecost. This is Paul saying, you need access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'll, I'll just, we, if anybody remembers, you, you know, good brown-nosing students out there, or whatever, you know, wait and cooperate. That was that message. You can go back and re-listen to it. But that's kind of what he's getting at here at the front is you need access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is one thing that makes uh, the church at large unique um, in becoming this people of God. But there's another theme here that is in some ways even more foundational and is key if we're going to experience uh, what Paul's talking about. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need an experiential knowledge of the love of God. We, we have access to a perfect love from a perfect Father. And we have the ability to be rooted and established in love, to use uh, Paul's language here. You know, it's like a, a, a root system of a plant or a tree. If you're doing any gardening in this COVID season, I don't know, but we've been doing a little bit and you know, the essential nature of the roots. That's what an experience of his love does. And if I think about roots, it's like, if I don't have roots, if the plant doesn't have roots, everything else dies. Uh, established foundation of a building. If you don't have that, everything else falls apart. It's a foundation of truly experiencing and knowing the love of God. Uh, now, here's the thing. This isn't talking about just like an idea or a concept. Paul's not, not praying. I pray that you would have a good grasp of uh, an intellectual con concept of God's love for you. He's praying that people would have an experience with a relational love that comes from a God who's their dad. I'm not talking about like, oh, you pray a prayer, you pray the sinner's prayer, all of a sudden you get this kind of love or you experience this kind of love. Maybe some people have 
encounters with God like that. But I'm, I'm not talking about, oh, you say a prayer and now you experience this love. Paul's writing to a bunch of people who have been walking with God for a period of time. I'm also not, again, talking about just, okay, we just get this idea or concept of what love is. But I'm talking about, and I think what Paul's talking about here is having access to a healing and a perfect love that comes in the context of a relationship. Uh, A lived experience with the love of God where we can relate to him, where we can know him, even though this love is seemingly unknowable, he's saying, I'm going to pray that this would be miraculous and that you would be able to know it. And that idea of knowing, again, this is more relational than heady. I'm not anti-intellect or head, but the love that he wants to penetrate into our lives with that makes all the difference is one where we experience it. Now, how do we do that? I've been holding off on my punchline, okay? How do we do that? Uh, I'm gonna boil it down to these three words, okay? Relate, then receive. So how do we access an experience? Now this is, what I'm talking about is a lifelong journey. This is not just one, one time here and there, but, What I'm talking about is about moments where we access his love in relationship, where we relate to a present, loving, perfect father, and then we receive it. It's about relating in the context of our daily lives. Uh, This past week, Gabe just keeps, God's been teaching me about his, this, this place of relating to God uh, in my relationship with Gabe. He keep, Gabe keeps coming up to me and he keeps going, dad, play, dad, play, dad, play. Uh, I was interrupted from this very sermon at least four times this week by him coming up and, and putting a toy in my face and saying, Dad, play. Dad, play. And it's like, at that point, it's like, okay, God, you're clearly helping me with my sermon. And it's not about what I'm doing in the sermon prep. Like, this is my sermon prep. Because that's an amazing prayer. I would encourage all of us to pray that prayer. Dad, play. Dad, play. Would you play? Like, he loves that prayer. I actually had a whole second part of this sermon that we don't have time for about the way that God loves to play with us and wants to engage in us. So maybe that'll come back at another time. But in, for this, I, I just want to say that God was speaking to me about this picture of he loves it in our hearts. It's simple relating. It's simple. It's everyday life. It's the moment by moment. And we come and we invite a present living God into that experience. And then we receive Whatever form he comes and gives us his love. And it can come in a lot of different ways. I mean, this is a, a, a love that is high, wide, deep, long. I think I just mixed those up. But, you know, all, I mean, it is a lot of love. And so it's, it's, it's powerful. And so he comes in a lot of ways. I have a story. Uh, actually, I have a video of a story here. So just in a minute, we're going to, Watch a video and then, and then I'll be back 
and we'll kind of wrap this all together. Um, but the, the video is actually from somebody who, some of you on this call will know, um, her name is Acacia Hammond, and uh, she used to be on staff with uh, ADS and is, uh, is a good friend of many people here in our church. And um, when we were, anyway, over the years, I've been able to hear a story that she shared about her experience with God in, doing, in this very thing, relating with God and then receiving his love in a really significant way. So keep, keep watching and uh, welcome Acacia from Texas. Growing up, I was always really close with my dad. I enjoyed going on trips with him, going to the movies with him, or just whatever we did, I just liked being with him. When I was around 10 years old, my parents went through a divorce and that was something that really rocked my world. I never imagined that would happen. I remember it felt like the earth beneath me was just taken out. And it was just a feeling of what's gonna happen next. I wasn't in control of my life. And so that's when I realized I need God. And I would open my Bible and just try to find comfort in the scriptures. I remember finding Psalm 46 that says, God is present in time of trouble. You don't have to fear even if the earth is taken away and thrown into the sea. And that's what it felt like was happening in my life. And I started praying more and finding like I had peace that God was with me. When I was around 12, my dad was already remarried and he moved 200 miles away. So during that period of my life, I didn't have the same father-daughter interactions that I used to have. I found myself really noticing those interactions wherever I went, whether it was at the grocery store or if it was at some performance and I was watching just a dad and daughter sitting while the performance was going on, I noticed their interactions between each other. And there was this place in me that felt like I was missing out. Like there was, like I had been dealt a bad hand of cards because I was missing out on those interactions. When, um, around that time I joined a basketball team and I remember one day I was over at my friend's house and we were just shooting some hoops together, but it was kind of hard because her backboard was missing. And after a while we went inside to get a drink and her dad was there. And so naturally I'm watching her interactions with her dad. And I remember her just saying to him, hey dad, we need to get our basketball goal fixed. He's like, yeah, sure, we're gonna do that soon together. And that interaction just hit me because I was like, wow, like she has her dad to be there and help her with something as small as a basketball goal. And I was thinking about my dad who was, you know, far away. And I actually had the same problem with my basketball goal. It was broken and I needed help to fix it. And I just started to feel sad, like I don't have that. But I was a stuffer, so I stuffed all those emotions down, didn't say it to anyone, went home. When I was home, I was just um, yeah, looking out the window at the basketball goal where it was broken. And I had this thought, I was like, you know, God has been there for me through these events so far. And in the scriptures, God is a father. And so I just prayed this prayer. I was like, God, would you fix the basketball goal with me? And then I laughed because I was like, wait, how's God going to do that? He's not in human form. So I was like, never mind, God, I won't be offended. It's all right. Don't worry about it. And I went to bed that night. My older brother came and he woke me up and he said, Keisha, go look outside. So I got up and I looked outside and there was a new basketball goal standing up outside. And I was like, where did you get that? He had been helping a lady move stuff and it was in her storage shed and she didn't want it. And she's like, do you know anybody who might want that? And he's like, hmm, I don't know. 
And then some other guy was like, wait, your sister's on a basketball team, right? Maybe she would want it. He's like, oh, okay, I'll take it home. So it just so happened he brings this basketball goal home the day that I was asking God, would you be my father? Would you help me with this basketball goal? I was stunned. I didn't tell anyone, but God heard me. He knew. In that moment, I felt so seen by God that he would hear that prayer and say, yes, I want to be your father. Yes, I care about that. And so from that moment on, I began to see myself not as someone who was missing out, but as someone who had the best dad in the whole world, that he knows all my needs, that he sees them, and that he wants to be there with me in each moment and connect with me in it. Wow. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story. God wants to show us and have us experience his love in things like basketball hoops. Um, and everyday, everyday life type things. He wants to show his love to us. Um, I lead a pure desire group, um, which is a group that we have at our church for people who are wanting to experience more freedom uh, in the area of especially sexual purity and um, yeah, just more wholeness. And uh, actually recently, we, we've been working through something that the material calls wax and lax, okay? So wax are the big hits that we take in life. And uh, oftentimes those come from when we're, when we're young, you know, to take Acacia's story, that's a, that, that was a whack to her as, she, as her parents got divorced, as she had this close relationship with her dad. And the lax are, well, they're, they're, they're the lax that we have in life. It's the places where we have pain and wounding from not experiencing uh, love or belonging or acceptance or safety or comfort or whatever the, the things are. Wax and lax. And, and I got thinking in the context of this prayer, you know, it, it, it's actually in our wax and our lax that God wants to meet us with his love. So we're saying, how do we experience more of his love? How do we experience it, not just mentally, but as an experience um, where an all present, where an ever present loving father meets us? There's a lot of ways we can experience that. But I would like to propose that one of those places is actually that in our places where we've been whacked in life or where we have had lack in life, that that's a place, it's a meeting place with the love of God. That his love that surpasses knowledge, he wants to come in as we relate to him and then we receive from him. There's keys to both of those. There's a turning of our worlds to relate to him, uh, to, to talk with him, to invite him. And then as he responds, and again, it can look like a lot of different ways, as he responds, we receive it. You don't have to earn it. He's not asking us to earn it, but he's asking us to receive the ways that he's entering in to the wax and to the lax. 
again, there's a lot of ways, but I often find in, in my life, it's in those kind of places where I already feel some of the pain or some of those challenging areas. Um, or it's, I'm afraid to bring those areas before God. And I want to, I want to, maybe a little challenge, but a little challenge to give God, if, if you have a conception of God where you're afraid to bring the vulnerable places of your life before him in relationship, I want to encourage you to take a chance to allow God to prove you wrong about his, the misunderstanding of his character. This actually goes into Christopher's message last week about how we can get these misconceptions about who God is, and then we live our lives according to them. And so what I want us to do today as we respond here is I want you to allow the Holy Spirit or, or to bring something to mind, or maybe it's really obvious to you of a place where I don't feel the love of God in my life in, in any way, or I would love to experience more of uh, his nearness. You know, one of the things Acacia said that is powerful is she said that after that experience, she felt seen by God. I find that often when uh, God is loving me the deepest, he's, he's letting me know that he sees me, uh, that he sees how hard what I'm experiencing is, and that he's glad to be with me in the midst of that situation, in the midst of the hardship. His love doesn't always look like, oh, he fixed everything. In fact, a lot of the times it, it doesn't, but sometimes it does. He brings the basketball hoop, and those times are amazing. But he's after us experiencing that we're seen by him, and that he sees that different places of our lives are really hard, and that it hurts, and that he's glad to be with us in those places. Experiencing his love in those places is powerful, but it only, I would say, only comes in relationship because it's relationally where we experience the power of love. Uh, it's, it's not just being told, oh, God loves you. It's when we experience that place of God, I'm encountering it in some way and experiencing this relationally. So I'm going to pray this core part of this Ephesians prayer again. And I, we're just going to take one to two minutes here. And to the degree that you can, I want to encourage you, you know, if kids are going crazy in that moment, I believe that God's communicating something of his love. Uh, it might be dad play, dad play, mom play. It could be a breakdown as having whatever. You could have the space to just bring a place of lack or a whack that you've experienced in life and bring that before the Lord. And so what we're going to do right now is we are going to begin and kickstart something that I believe God is going to do all week long. I believe that all week long, he's going to be attempting to answer this prayer in our lives. And the part that we do is we relate to God, and it might be with things as simple as, Dad, play. Help me. 
help, I need help. Uh, that, you know, and we cry for help. That might be it. He wants to respond. And so we're saying, God, put us in a place where we can receive that. And that's kind of on our end. So I'm going to pray this over us. Whatever it looks like to receive, this is a kickstart again uh, of what we're trusting God to do over the course of the week ahead in meeting us in hundreds of different ways that we would experience this love. I pray that you would be rooted and established in love in your homes, in your workplaces, in your marriages, with your roommates, in your places of pain, in your celebrations, in your stress areas, in your fears. I pray that you would be rooted and established in love and that you would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that you, that every one of us, that we would have an experiential knowledge of this love that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And God, we thank you that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So even the places where this seems hard for us to believe that you would meet us like this. It seems hard that we would, it's hard for us to believe that you would actually meet us with love this week. You're, you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine because of your power that's at work within us. To you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, we, we have one final worship song uh, that we are going to cue up. Uh, this is another uh, song of worship from when uh, the folks on our worship team were gathering together to worship. And... Um, I want you to stay in this place of engaging with God. Uh, it might be that God continues to answer that prayer even right now as, as this final song of worship uh, is, is sung, is engaged with, and um, as we experience this together.